What's the story? Mergers and acquisitions. 2021 was a record year for M&A activity globally, representing more than $5 trillion in volume. What we know is that the activity remains strong, with technology and healthcare leading the way. The acquisition has taken place, and now the work begins. Companies must realize the synergies of the acquisition, and the sales organization is a critical component to success with cross-selling and the introduction of new products and services across a larger customer base leading the way. But it's not as easy as it seems, and we know that only 20% of organizations realize the cross-selling expectations from M&A. There is a fundamental alignment that must take place first across the sales organization to stem undesired attrition, disseminate false assumptions, and get everyone on the same page and comfortable with its coming. Sales role definition, compensation alignment, organization integration, and cultural alignment are top challenges for organizations once the merger and acquisition has taken place, resulting in unintended consequences that compromise the achievement of M&A outcomes. All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I am your host, Derek Motry. And I'm really excited about this conversation. I don't know if we've actually dived in on this particular podcast uh, when it comes to the mergers and acquisition space. Uh, but I know in order to do that, I want to bring on someone who actually has the experience, who's built their own network, their own ecosystem around this space. And uh, joining me is the founder of MA Network, uh, Kyle Griffith. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Hey, Derek, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for, I feel, I feel really humbled to be here and um, connect with you and share my story with your, with your, with your customer, your subscriber base. Um, you guys are doing awesome things with the Black Equity Network. So I'm just happy to be here. Thank you very much, my friend. I'm excited, man. When I first got on uh, Clubhouse uh, about a year ago, I was like, where's all, where are my people at? Because, you know, there's all these different <laughs> conversations happening. And I was like, okay, where's my people? I, I wasn't sure if y'all were there. But yeah, I kept yeah. digging and digging, and I said, "Ooh, what is this?" So then I started <laughs> listening to the conversations you were having. Uh, you had a lot of really great conversations about buying the buy side, the sell side, how to mm -hmm. be prepared. Is now the time to buy a business? Why you should be buying a business uh, instead of trying to build one? All these great uh, conversations. And mm -hmm. so uh, I always knew I wanted to have this conversation with you, but it didn't just stop at Clubhouse. You're also having these conversations off of Clubhouse. You're, you're building your network off of uh, social media and, and having interactions in person. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about this conversation. My first question, and you and I have had a, a, a chance to talk uh, before, and I've always wanted to ask you this. <laughs> How did you get into the M&A space? How did this all happen? <laughs> I didn't even know, man. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't wake up one day, hey, I want to be an M&A advisor, right? It, it, didn't, it didn't start that way. So uh, I'll keep it short, you know, for, you know, for the sake of your listeners here. But um, I'm not originally from this country, right? I came from a very tiny island called Trinidad and Tobago. So when I first came here officially, I've been coming here since I was six years old. When I officially moved here full time, I've always been entrepreneurial. Okay. I always wanted to learn how to run a business, how to build a business. I've always been like it's so fascinating about entrepreneurship and business in general. And some of the business ventures that I started 
and partner with, someone had some success and someone didn't have as much success as I would have liked. I just needed to figure out this thing, man, this, this, you know, how to build a business, how to run a company. So it's been irking me for a long time. And then a colleague of mine out in Chicago introduced me to business brokerage at the time. Mm. And he said, hey, in business brokerage, you have sellers that are retiring, that need to sell their company, they need someone to help them prepare the business for sale, get them positioned for maximum sale price and find a buyer and so on. And you have buyers that are looking to invest in companies and buy businesses. So I'm like, wait, I'm that buyer, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm, a, I'm that seller too. Like I want to learn how to build a business that's sellable, a business that has true equity and an asset that can grow over time, that can create legacy. It's all about creating a legacy for our family. So mm -hmm. I, I'm all in, but guess what? I'm in this because I want to learn from these business owners, right? I want to, mm -hmm. I want to shortcut the game, right? If I can get to these business owners that are selling, learn about their business, hear their stories of how they built their business, how they put this whole thing together and became successful is going to help me in my entrepreneurship journey. And what I wanted to learn is I didn't want to make the same mistakes that they made. Because if you think about it as an entrepreneur, you can learn a lot more from mistakes than you can make learn from successes. Yeah. So ideally, I wanted to learn what mistakes not to make. And, and I've been doing this for 12, been almost 13 years now, but this is what 12 years since I've been doing this. And I can tell you, over the thousand clients that we have serviced, it's a lot of biz lot of mistakes businesses mm. make, big and small. And so it's been a, a great journey. Um, I just got really passionate about it, Derek. You know, I got in wanting for my own best interest to learn about entrepreneurship, but I got passionate about it. I wanted to learn so quick. I'm like a sponge for information. So I joined all the local chapters, the local associations to learn more and, and connect with other people that are doing what I was doing at the time. Right, so I got involved with committees. Um, the first association that I joined was the International Business Brokers Association, and I highly recommend that anyone is looking to get involved in the mergers or the, or the sales of companies and business brokering. You want to go and get your education. That's what I did. That's my first step. I took some courses with them, um, and I became a certified business intermediary. That's the first thing that I did, and I started working a lot with them, learning the folk, learning you know the makeup of the industry, and learning from the successes of the other brokers as part of that organization. And I kind of moved up. So now I'm on the board um, for the association. I've been on the board for like five years now, I believe, and I'm going to be chair of the association next wow. year. So it's funny right. that I just went, I went in just, hey, I'm just going to be, just going to learn this business entrepreneurship thing. And now I, I kind of found my, I found my passion, right? Helping people like me that wanted to run successful companies and so on. So that, that's how I got into it, Derek. You, you're building something uh, truly organic, something very powerful. I've had an opportunity to sit in on uh, one of your last meetings. Uh, it's it's very powerful to see all these great minds coming together around this this five trillion dollar market space. When you first got in, did you know how big of the market space it was, or was it simply about the? the I had no side? idea. I had I had no idea. I needed a I needed a mentor. I needed people that I can trust and mm -hmm. wanted to associate myself with. So at the time when I first got in, I was trying to figure out, okay, who can I work with? I was first working with a firm out in Chicago at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm based in New York. This is my hometown. I need to associate myself with some a, a company that I can trust and build here in, in New York. So uh, I, I joined a company called New York Business Brokerage. And so 
IBBA is where I got my foundational educational knowledge. But you know this, Derek. I mean, most entrepreneurs are listening. You really learn on the job, right? Mm -hmm. You learn actually going out there and servicing clients. So I joined the New York Business Brokerage. This is going back more than 12 years now. And um, that's when I started learning about the market and, you know, all the uh, the baby boomers and who's retiring and the whole, um, what do you call it? The It's, called, it's a book called um, The $10 Trillion Opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's a great mm -hmm. book. It tells you about, you know, retirement boom and all that sort of stuff and how big the market is. So that's why I started learning more uh, more about it and more about the business. And we can touch on that a little a little bit. So, because I know one of the questions people are, are going to ask is, why would anyone sell their business, right? <laughs> and so one of the reasons is they don't have a succession plan, right? And so have you, have you come across that as a uh, pattern where you're seeing people who do not have a succession plan, they're looking to sell their business, and they may come to you uh, to have that conversation. All of the time. Mm. And it's almost like life insurance or health insurance, right? It's like, mm -hmm. more so life insurance is a better analogy. It's like, at some point, there's two things that is guaranteed in life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Debt and taxes. Right, right. You have to pay taxes. And some, at some point, we're all not going to be here, right? And sometimes it takes a triggering effect, a triggering life-changing moment to say, you know what, let me start working on the succession plan like you no one really thinks it's going to happen but you know someday it's going to happen um so yeah there's a lot of surveys that has been done and um about 75 percent of business owners do not have a formal plan a formal exit strategy exit plan and there's multiple ways you can exit your business ideally you're right you don't want to sell your business it's like an asset, right? It's like a right. building, it's a property, right? Um, the option number one should be to keep the business in the family, right? right. Within your family, um, so you can transfer ownership to success, transfer ownership to uh, a spouse, a you know, family member, son, daughter, niece, cousin, whoever the case may be. Um, and then all, there's also options you can actually transfer ownership to an employee, right? Um, but most sales go third party. They're sold to someone outside of, of, of the company. Um, business owners tend to get more value for their business that way. And a lot of cases, from, from my experience and from my colleagues' experience, and the funny thing about it, even though I've been doing this over a decade, because of my involvement with all these other associations like m and Source and IBBA and, and all of my connections and so on, uh, when I speak, I speak from my a, you know, global sense of all the knowledge that I've acquired over the years. Mm -hmm. um, Family members, from, from my experience, my colleague's experience, is that um, they don't really want to be in the business. <laughs> There's no yeah. way I can really sugarcoat it, right? Yeah. They don't, you know, they've seen how hard their parents have worked building mm -hmm. a company. And, hey, that's not for me. I have other dreams and aspirations. However, there are very loyal um, and dedicated uh, and committed sons and daughters and family members that, hey, you know, I, I want to help. I want to be there. For my, for my dad and be there for my mom and help them in their business. Um, but what I've noticed from experience, I've personally worked on transactions where the, the parent passed away. And as soon as the parent passed away, um, the, 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 the son or the daughter, the last one there was a son, um, wanted to sell the company. Hey, I'm out. You know, I did this for daddy. He's no longer here. Um, time for me to sell, to sell the company. You know, so yeah, um, unfortunately, we are seeing less second, third, and fourth generation companies. So every time I run into someone that's a second generation, third generation business owner, I just I have to shake their hand because they're becoming you know far few in between, and yeah. it's all about creating a legacy, 
and you want to have your name, your brand, and what you've created as far as building communities, right? Because when you keep your business open, you grow, right? You're creating jobs, right? You're, you're, you're just building whole, the whole economic infrastructure and it's building out you know, your local communities and so on. So we want, we want businesses to grow. And if you have built that legacy, you want to retain that legacy. So it's very important to me. But a lot of times they go to third party, which has you know, been pretty, pretty much the norm. How early, um, I'm just thinking about if I'm um, 60, 70 years old, and I'm, I, I know I don't have a succession plan, I know I want to sell the company soon. How, how early in the process should I be reaching out to someone like you and start having those conversations to prepare myself uh, for the inevitable? From the day you started the company. Mm. From the very first day you had an idea. So you have to look at it very long term. Okay. Right? You have to think about, okay, well, where do I see myself and where do I see this company 5, 10, 20, 30? Like, what's the game plan here? Am I just buying a company to operate? Is the goal to transfer this business to my son or daughter? Or So ideally, when you're starting a company, you want to put mechanisms in place. So Because you never know, like I said, is any minute something can happen, unfortunately. That's just how the world is. So if your business can be prepared, you have a package already put together, you understand you have buy-sell agreements in place, and you have you know, instruments in place where you can actually transfer ownership upon disability, upon debt, upon divorce, you know, you want to have those things in place. So from the very beginning, and the reason why I want to talk to someone like myself or uh, an exit planner is because I speak with a lot of investors, a lot of buyers, and we know what buyers want. So we can start building a business that's sellable that makes it more attractive for buyers from the very get-go. Because you never know, like, things come up. Like, you know what, I'm five years into this business, and maybe I want to transfer, I want to I want to relocate, I want to um, go a different direction, I want to pivot, and so on. So if your business is ready, you know what I mean, if you have those things in place. And I was watching your video when you first kicked this off, and um, I really like what you put there because one of the biggest challenges business owners have is getting – you know, uh, skilled personnel, skilled mm-hmm. labor. Right. And a lot of buyers actually ask, okay, well, who's your number one? Who's number two person, right? If you take a vacation, who can you take a vacation, right? right. right. If you do take a paid vacation, who's going to run the company, right? Do you have division set up? What's your organizational chart and so on? So the question you ask about when, if your goal is to sell this company 10, 20 years down the line, you got to start building that company culture and finding people that can be there. Obviously, day one is going to take some time if you're a startup, right? You have to take things in steps. But you want to have that vision that, hey, I'm a startup now, but I'm building a, a, a million-dollar company, a five-million-dollar company, a ten-million-dollar, a billion-dollar company, right? Put that vision out there. Put together your org chart. Okay, a ten-million-dollar company, what do I need in place now to run a ten-million-dollar company? Build out that org chart. Build out all the systems you would need. At least have it like written out. So that's your vision. That's your North Star. That's what you, you're going towards. And as you hire, you find people to fill those positions as, as you grow because it's, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. So you want to start. Um, so, yeah, to your question, from the very, from the very, very beginning, you want to start thinking of what your exit strategy is going to be. For example, I'll often use the analogy of real estate. Mm-hmm. No one just buys a piece of property just to buy a piece of property. 
Right. Right? The goal is if you are retiring, right, you might maybe, maybe downsizing and you're buying a smaller home. This is where I'm going to, you know, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life, right? This is my last home, my last residence, right? I'm not probably going to sell it. It's going to go in a family trust and whatever the case may be. Um, but if you're more entrepreneurial and you're an investor, most likely you're going to probably buy that property to rent it out. You're going to buy multifamilies and you keep building, mm-hmm. right? So you have some folks that are buy and hold, some are fixing and flipping, wholesaling. So everyone has a strategy. So I like to use a real estate analogy. Like what's your game plan with the property? Are you going to hold it? Are you going to flip it? Are you going to, are you going to buy this business, build it up and sell it? Right. Right. Same analogy with the real estate. Are you going to buy this property, fix it up and sell it? Right. So when you go into any business, you want to think about that from the beginning. You know, you mentioned that it's similar to real estate, but it seems like in many of the uh, traditional circles of business, you hear more about real estate investing than you do about investing in businesses. Now, I'm not sure if you've had that same experience. I know you're you're kind of ingrained in it, so you may hear about it every day. But for for many people, they don't even know what mergers and acquisitions is. They, they may not even know that you can even buy a business. Uh, have you come across that type of mentality where, you know, everybody talks about real estate, but not, not everyone talks about business acquisitions? So here, here's the thing. I'll, I'll use two analogies. The first okay. one is if you're in the market to buy a car, a white Honda, right? guess what you're going to see every day? The white Honda. White Hondas, mm-hmm. right? If you're looking for, you know, for the ladies here that are listening, you know, you're, you go to your, your typical hair salon, you're trying to find someone to do your hair. You, you know, whatever you attract, you're going to, is, is going to come to. What are you thinking about you're going to attract, right. right? So it depends on what circles you're in. Here's the other thing. Um, when you're investing in real estate, what, what, usually what's the entity that holds the property? You mean like a when like you purchase a, a, a investment property, like a business? What what entity holds the property? Like an LLC or something yeah. like that. And, and what is an LLC? A business. It is a business. It's a right. corporation. Right. Right. You have a you have a rent roll. Right. So you may not think about real estate as business, but real estate is a business. Yes. Right. Facts. Facts. When you buy stocks, what are you investing in? Businesses. A company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So, yeah, it's you know, when you kind of change your mindset, you think about it's been here from God knows how long, from the age of bartering, right? Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, it, it's there. Um, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, I, I, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship and about business, you know, just the, the pure fact of, you know, controlling your own destiny. Now, it's not for everyone. That's why most businesses fail in the first year. And um, it's really unfortunate because especially in these times of COVID, you saw a lot of people that either they got inspired, right, to start a business. I, I can't tell you how many people I spoke with over the past year that started a business during COVID. Mm. They got inspired. But business ownership is not for everyone. And you have to take some time to really do your research and figure out what your true passions are. Now, I, I'm telling you this from personal experience because it took me 10 years to figure this thing out, mm. right? So I was a, I was a part time I was working um, in Health and Health Corporation. Okay. Um, I was there for nine years. I had my part-time businesses at the time. But when I jumped into this full-time, Derek, 
it took me 10 years to get to that CEO mindset and to figure out, hey, you need help, you need to put together a network, you need resources, you know, um, it's a great book that your listeners should check out. It's called um, The E-Myth. Yes, yes. Entrepreneur's Myth, uh, Michael Gerber. Okay. And it talks about, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? Make it simple to follow. When you're running a business, you have three types of people. You have the visionary who's a CEO, you know, he's a person or she's a person that's running the company. You have the, the management they don't want to build the strategy, build the systems, and, and so on, right? And then you have the, the workers. They don't want to actually execute a job. Now, think about this for a second. Majority of the people that left their jobs were very good at what they're doing, and they, they saw that there's need for improvement in their business where they worked at, mm-hmm. right? But maybe their ideas weren't being, held, being heard. They were requiring more room for advancement, right? They felt that it can be let go at any minute. Right? They felt that they were in a job that they had no real value, no real purpose for them. So guess what? They left their job. They got inspired right, to start a business. They're going to fall in either the management category because they worked in a management role in corporate and they managed people, but they didn't do the work, or they're going to fall most likely in the worker category. Right. Where they were managed by someone else. They're probably not going to fall in the CEO category. Well, they, they could fall in the CEO category. You never know. But typically, they'll fall in either as a worker or, or in management. If your skill set is centered around actual executing the job, because here's, here's the conflict between those three. The CEO has the big vision of where the company is going to go. And they're pretty much giving the vision to the management. And the manager's like, hey, slow down here. Like, you want to do all this stuff? You're moving too fast. We got to put these systems in place. We got to put these processes in place. Like you know, you know, slow down, slow your roll, right? Right, right. Um, the management has to it, transfer that the goals of the CEO to the employees. So the same thing. The employees like, hey, you want us to do all this all this work in this, this short period of time? Like, how are we going to get this done? So psychology, you're going to fall. You're going to fall in one of those buckets. So when you run your own company, if you have an employee mindset running your company you're going to be in trouble. So what you need to do is start building a team around you. Finding people that have management material that can come in and handle operations. You may need to find someone that's a visionary that can help you strategize and take your business like those. You might need to hire a coach, for example, an advisor. Mm-hmm. Don't do it on your own. If you're management and you are really good at operations, you, you, know, you, you, know, you, you might not be good at sales because when you work in the company, the company brought in all the business. Right. You were good at what you do, but you weren't, you weren't bringing in the business. So you got to go and hire, hire sales teams. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why I've been very passionate about entrepreneurship and figuring out ways that we can help entrepreneurs and building teams to support their entrepreneurship objectives. I want to take a quick look at your actual website and just ask a few questions about the website. But you mentioned something before I do that. You mentioned something, and I know you got some really great uh, gems in this particular area. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing, because I know you don't want to give away at all. You said you work with buyers and you know what buyers want, right? So if you could just share one or two gems without giving away, give it all away. I know- hey, I'm giving everything away, man. Hey, this is what we're here for you. I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm going to tell you as it is and give you all, all the details. Um, so what, you, you, I mean, I'll cut you off. What was 
Well, I get. So, what yeah. do buyers want uh, from your so experience? What's this the is what this is what buyers want. Okay, Derek. Um, I, and for the sake of time, I just keep it. You know, we can always have a follow up. If folks can reach out to me, I can get more specific. Sure. But as a buyers and investors, three things that you want. Um, if you're investing in a business, buyers want cash flow. They call me every day. Every opportunity, every business we put on the market, we get at least 60 buyers. So even though a majority of my clients are sell sides that I represent, I'm speaking with a ton of buyers. I do have buy side clients that we're doing searches for, but I'm talking with buyers all of the time between private equity groups, um, independent sponsors, corporate refugees that are leaving their job to buy a business and so on. So I have a lot of information on this. So I've kind of broken this down in three different areas of what they want. They're looking, you can't get around it. There's no way you can get around it. They're looking for cash flow. Okay. They're looking to either supplement their income or or replace their income. Right. Right? So they're buying a business because they want the cash flow. It's like buying a property. You want that rent roll, right? So right. the same thing. Investing in stocks. When you invest in, you want that income coming in, right? That's what you're mm-hmm. buying. That's what they're purchasing. So number one, that's a, that's a big category. We can talk about that another time. So what does your business look like and, you know, uh, you know, because if they're buying that cash for the, the numbers has to be validated. It has to be clean numbers. It can't be too many red flags and so on. So number one, cash flow. The number two thing they're looking for is a a growth strategy, right? They want to understand, okay, well, I'm investing in your company, right? You have got it to, let's say it's a million dollars or five million, you know, 500,000, whatever that number is. Um, Mr. Seller, how can I get your business? How can I double that? How can I triple that? How can I 10x that? Like, if you were not retiring today and you were still in the business, what would you do, Mr. Seller, to grow this business? Let me know because I'm going to be taking this over. I want to know what I can do to, to help to, to grow right. the business. So number one, looking for cash flow. Number two, they want to see what the potential is for that business. And there's different factors that impact the potential growth. You have internal factors, and you have external factors. So the company can be phenomenal, have great teams in place, great, you know, great processes in place and head in the right direction. But what if there are some regulations coming on the pipe that regulates how they do business? What if there's some laws that are changing? What if there is a pandemic? You know, what if, you know, there's no need for their service? What if they're in a, what if they're in a saturated market? Right. So the buyer wants to know, okay, well, What's the opportunity for growth in your business, you know, between now and the next 10 years? The third thing, any buyer that's investing in a company, they want to mitigate their risk, which is a big one. They want to, they want a business with every business investment has risk. They want to be aware of the risk and they want to, the idea for you, if you're a seller, you want to de-risk the business as much as possible. What that means is I, I give you an example. So we talk about personnel, right? We talk about employees and personnel and so on. So, you know, a a big risk can be you have employees that are not on the contract. There's no agreement with them. They just, you know, um, there's no non-competes. So a buyer can buy the business and an employee can just leave and, you know, I'm not happy with the new buyer. I'm just going to leave and start my own business, right? Right. That's a big, big risk. Uh, Another risk is that you may have contracts with the government, or contracts with your local authorities, counties, and so on, or contracts with private companies that um, may not be assignable to the new buyer. They may invest in the company, and um, that contract was with you, Mr. Seller, 
and that's going to end if someone else takes control of the company. So we have to understand how we can assign these contracts and establish these new relationships with, with customers and, and, and vendors and, and so on. That's an example of a risk. Uh, another big risk is that the, the location, the business is dependent on that location. Right. So right. if a lease is expiring within a year or two, so you tell me I'm going to buy your business in a year or two that I, I can't operate. Like what's 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 going on here, Mr. Seller? Right? right. So, so those are the three the three things as a buyer investor you want to look at the risks that's involved. And the risk is a huge one. Is we have legal categories that you, will, you know, legal risks, financial risks, um, human capital risk, um, IT as well, IT intellectual property. You we want to ex- assess that as well. And then cash flow, and then what are the growth factors? Um, what is the growth strategy for the business? Thank you for sharing. I think that's I think it's very important for people to understand, especially if they're trying to eventually get into uh, a buyer's mindset uh, to be able to understand exactly what people are looking for. Uh, for those who are watching on Spotify, I just pulled up the M and A uh, website for those who want to look at it, and of course, we'll have it in the show notes as well. Uh, man, you've built something really powerful. First of all, this is a really great website. Uh, I wanted to ask you just a few things from the website. Uh, and then, of course, you can direct people uh, to other places where they can go uh, to potentially work with you, collaborate, whatever it may be. Uh, I saw this uh, concept, the CEO network. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what exactly that means? Sure. So I'm happy to share. So I started M&A out of the need because there was a void. There was a gap. Like a lot of stuff that I spoke about here, the preparation for getting the business ready for sale and so on. Because mm-hmm. we are usually at the tail end where we're looking to, we help clients with the executing of the sale. But a lot of companies, we talk about succession planning, exit planning. They didn't have any of this. A lot of my clients, when they come to me, 75% of them don't have any, any of these in, in, in place. So I started a company to help business owners, get them educated. So some of our philosophies with, with, with M&A is to educate CEOs and business owners that are looking to grow their company, looking to expand their business or, or exit. So I spent the last four years, um, this December is going to be four years since we started M&A, just cultivating talent. I want to make sure that we had the right um, talented advisors on the platform and building that culture, building that company culture and, and, and um, you know, going through that whole proof of concept phase, uh, any startup that you hear me speak is, you know, pretty much aware of. So uh, we're in a phase now we have launched our CEO network and the CEO network is a membership for business owners, CEOs that are looking to grow their business and we have a team of advisors that can help them from startup to, to exit. So we have about 40 advisors that uh, provide various services from accounting services, financial planning services, uh, exit planning, estate planning services. Uh, we have some marketing teams. We have um, IT support. Uh, we also have M&A integration because there's a whole other thing. You, you buy a business or you sell a business, like what happens next? What's, what's your post-acquisition or your post-sale um, game plan, right? As far as managing media, messaging, integrating to systems, infrastructures, and so on. So we have a full team that covers a gamut um, between legal, accounting, uh, IT, HR is a big one. We have some HR consultants on the team. So yeah, um, you know, I'm very um, proud of what we have built um, here with the with the M&A network and uh, business owners that need help growing their business. You always want to think with a growth mindset, whether you're looking to exit or acquire, you always want to think, okay, well, 
what's next for me and how can I build this business up as an asset? And that's our focus to help companies to grow. Because at some point you're going to pay taxes and sometimes you're going to exit, right? So right. you want to make sure when, when the time comes is that you're exiting on your terms and not someone else's terms. Right. Exit on your terms when you are ready and when you are prepared and when you can maximize your exit for maximum, maximum value. Man, that sounds powerful. What is there a certain size that the company should be at before they reach out to you or what? So we, we help companies from startup to exit. Okay. So, um, yeah. So if you need help forming your corporation, right. Okay. Uh, you need help with building out your, your, your strategy for your company. So no, so it's no, it's no size. Um, you know, our, our typical size I would say is a, a million and up in revenues, but every business, so we have different cohorts, right? So every business is at different levels, okay. but, um, yeah, so you talk about forming your company, launching your product. Uh, we have folks on the team can help. We have people that can help with getting financing, um, for your business and so on. So yes, yeah, so we, we help CEOs from startup to, to exit. So we can help, you know, big, big and small. That's awesome. And then there was also this other idea of becoming an advisor. I know you mentioned, you know, you already have a really great uh, group of advisors. Uh, but if somebody uh, does have that experience, what is that process of becoming an advisor uh, with your with your network? So it's not easy. Uh, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, we have a, a solid team. So there's a lot of talented and skilled professionals out there, right, that do what you do, do what I do, and so on. Um, I like skill set. What I look for is passion. I look for if you, if this is your life purpose, right, to provide the services you're providing, right? I'm looking for go-givers. You know, our philosophy here is to educate and collaborate. That's two, We have other philosophies. There are two main ones. So we're looking for advisors that are open to collaboration, open for to presenting like you can present you can do speaking engagements um you're looking to serve and you know be be of service so the skill set is, is important yes uh also looking for folks that have skin in the game right they own their company or they are part in their company or they have some sort of equity position in their company right so that's very in, in, important to us as well so ideally think about it derek uh, a business owner is coming into our network they need help growing their business who do you want to speak with? Other business owners. So we exactly. maybe you're like, I'm an advisor, but I'm also a business owner, right? I have four right. companies, okay? Right. So, right, they want to have someone that can understand and kind of speak their language. So that's what we're looking for, folks that, um, you know, that have been doing a business for at least a minimum five years and have a, a track record and want to, want to collaborate and work with other advisors. Kyle, I want to thank you. Uh, and I'm very grateful that you've built uh, something I've always was looking for, right? Because in this particular space, and maybe you you may know about it better than I do, but I haven't really found uh, a lot of ecosystems around M&A that, first of all, we're welcoming. I'm just being honest. Um, and then two, that actually had the, the knowledge uh, available to at least start getting your feet wet of what, what exactly is this particular space. And so I'm very grateful and thankful that you are building this. Uh, the work that you are doing is not going unnoticed. Uh, I'm not sure if you needed to hear that, but I really do uh, see a lot of value in what you're doing. 
I believe the CEOs who are listening to this particular episode, they're going to see the, the value in us as well. And they're going to start reaching out. Uh, and I think this is a really great place for them to begin their journey uh, when it comes to the M&A space. What final thoughts do you have for uh, the CEOs who are listening to this particular episode and they see this as a, an opportunity to, to you know, enter into that growth stage of their company? So, so Derek, first of all, I'm, I'm getting um, shills down my spine right now. Um, I really appreciate your thoughts. I'm humbled by it. Um, this is something I, I would do for free, right? This is my life calling. Uh, this is my passion um, because I've not been, I'm privileged to be in the position I'm in right now. Um, like I mentioned in the early part of my story, I didn't have these resources. So I know what it feels for a business owner or a CEO to be in a bubble in the office, servicing their community, and they have no help. They have no resources. I don't know who to trust. That's, a, that's the biggest thing as a business owner because I can tell you that a lot of CEOs that have been in business at some point they've been um, taken advantage of, either by an attorney. I don't want to call any sectors out, but, you know, there's as a business owner, you have to be very careful of the asset you have built. Right. So we have spent a long time vetting advisors to make sure that we have um, advisors with, with, with great ethics first and would really sincerely want to help. So this is, this is essentially my, my passion, uh, okay? Building networks and being there for business owners. Um, as far as your question, so get a checkup, first of all, number one, right? Um, every year, I'm assuming you go to your doctor, right? You get your dental checkup every six months or once a year. You go get your medical, get your physical, right? Your, your business needs the same attention because your business, think of it as a separate person, a separate entity, right? You have to give your business a checkup. So at least once a year, you want to get an assessment done of your company, right? Uh, we do two different types of assessments here. We do valuation and we do what's called a, a value gap analysis, right? So if your plan is to sell five years out, we can do an assessment. Okay, how much you make now? And then how much you're going to make in five years? You know, how are you, how are you going to get? So for example, you do the assessment, the business is worth one million, but if we execute in these areas, it could be worth five million. So let's put a game plan to get you to five million. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. So you want to get these assessments in place so you can know where you at, so you can know where you need to go in your business. So that's number one. Um, get your business assessed for its value. Mm -hmm. uh, you also want to assess your team. Make sure you have the right team players um, that's working with your company. Um, number two is expand your network. You know, um, expand your network, um, you know, seek advice, uh, work with qualified professionals um, that can help you get to your level. You know, you may have grown to a point you could, you could possibly have outgrown your CPA, right? So that's right. just an example, right? So you want to assess everyone on your team, your CPA, your CFO, you know, your attorney if you have one, your insurance broker. You want to make sure that you have the right people, right circle around you. Right, that's going to help you get. If your goal is, like I mentioned before, that vision. If you want to get to ten million, can these people get you to ten million? Right, right. So you mm -hmm. want to assess that team, right? Um, and then, before I lose my train of thought, um, yeah, a good advice. I always advise um, my clients and business owners that to join your local trade association. Gotcha. See what other businesses like yours, whether you're a plumbing, landscaping, HVAC, trucking company, accountant practice, whatever case may be, participate. 
that way you you know what's happening in your space. You know the trends. You know what's going on. You can form masterminds and, and you can connect with other business owners like yourself that are in the same position as you are. And especially if your goal is to sell down the road, there are people in your trade association that have sold before. So you can learn from them, right? How that happened, what was it like for them, and so on. So, yeah, I, so those are my three things. Get a valuation or an assessment. Um, number two, build out your center of influence, your network. And number three, join a trade association. Join your local trade association or participate. Some folks join, but they don't participate. Participate in your trade, local trade association. Kyle, I want to thank you again for joining us here on Black Equity Podcast. Uh, being part of our network. Uh, and thank you for welcoming us uh, to your network. I think this is going to be a really great opportunity long-term uh, as we find CEOs, as we find potential advisors, for them to know that they have a, a place that they could potentially look to and, and, and grow. Uh, I look forward to staying in contact with you and building long-term with you. And I uh, thank you again for coming on our podcast. Derek, it's a pleasure. I'm humble. I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here and share your network. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're doing awesome things here, man. I'm looking forward to it. And anywhere I can support you and your endeavors, I'm, I'm here for you. Thank you. I again. appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I look forward to our next uh, podcast episode uh, in the future. <laughs> Thank you, man.